0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the Governor's fishing opener, Peter Torque of the Monkees and his Minnesota Connections, and a preview of the Minnesota Lynx season. But first, the budget is the big news this week, not only in Washington, D.C., but also in St. Paul, where Republicans and Governor Mark Dayton are trying to hammer out an agreement with under three weeks remaining in the legislative session. MNN's Bill Werner joins us with an update on both fronts. And Bill, there was visible progress finally in D.C. this week. Yes, there was, Scott. And what ...might be the first major legislative success of the Trump administration,
1: which reached agreement with congressional leaders on a trillion-dollar-plus budget package that, at least for now, averts federal government shutdown. The president did not get what he wanted on some highly visible initiatives like the border wall and cutting funding for Planned Parenthood, but he did negotiate an increase in military spending. We asked Carleton College political science professor Stephen Shear for his take.
2: I think what Trump has done is uh, agree to a lot of small spending decisions in this short-term bill that please Democrats. Uh, He's not cutting EPA the way he wanted to. He's not getting the wall. Um, uh, There's funding for various domestic programs that... uh, Were passed under Obama that are also in this bill. Uh, Clearly, this is not something Republicans are that ecstatic about. But it may be that Trump is doing this now to try and sweeten future deals and negotiations with Democrats.
1: So, kind of uh, give himself a chance to kind of learn the ropes a little bit more, and then and then do better uh, when this comes up again uh, uh, next time. Well,
2: I think what he's trying to do, or one thing he may accomplish from this is develop some sort of working relationship with some of the Democrats in Congress, which he'll probably need going forward during the remainder of his term, because clearly he has given, for the first time in his presidency, Democrats a reason to smile.
1: Well, yeah, yeah clearly, <laughs> and a good, a good number of them are smiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, he came out of the starting gate uh, with a number of fumbles. Um, do you think that he's learning his way now?
2: Well, I think he's being more cautious in what he says, which can only help his presidency. Um, I think he also learned from the health care setback that he's got to be more actively involved in creating the deals that he wants passed into law. So I do think there's been some learning here. He's also, I think, deferred to the seasoned uh Appointees in his national security operation, and is is taking their advice seriously, which is probably helpful to his presidency as well.
1: And then there is the state budget, where big differences remain between Democratic Governor Mark Dayton and Republicans who control both the House and the Senate, as the legislative clock ticks down to the May 22nd adjournment deadline. Legislative leaders in Dayton agreed midweek to tackle the agriculture program bill and the higher education funding bill first to grease the skids, as it were.
3: Why not take the low-hanging fruit first? I think that's what we're trying to say. The governor's in agreement that we should at least try to do that.
1: That's Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. Governor Dayton says when they start negotiating the environment and jobs bills, which have a number of controversial provisions that both sides disagree on. That'll be
4: the acid test. If we can clear one of those or both those away in a reasonable amount of time, then we'll know we're on a track that's got uh, can be resolved uh, in a timely conclusion.
1: But the budget challenges go well beyond even the environment and jobs bills, as Carlton Professor Scheer tells us.
2: They're dug in in the big three divergences between the governor and the Republican legislators, are in health and human services spending, education spending, and tax cuts, I should say. Uh, and those are very big differences, and it's not at all clear how those differences get reconciled between the legislature and the governor in the remaining days of this session.
1: They're taking uh, a little different approach than they did two years ago. Um, They wanted the governor involved early. He said, no, we tried that in 2015. I want you guys, meaning the Republicans uh, in the House and Senate, to agree uh, between yourselves first, uh, get your conference committee reports, if not signed, then then at least agreed upon, and then I'll get involved. Uh, d- does this um, maybe increase the chances, or do they still have a pretty r- rough, uh, tough road to hole? Well,
2: I think the governor is trying to get this done on time, and I think he believes that the time and effort of negotiations will be less if the Republicans between the House and the Senate can agree on a common approach. That way, he is dealing with one alternative rather than multiple alternatives, and that may make the ultimate negotiation a lot, a lot easier to accomplish.
1: seems to me that if they make some progress, at least, on some of these areas toward maybe uh, resolving their differences, that that might bode well for finishing on time. But if they're still really dug in, that puts it more into question. Would you agree with that theory?
2: And I think you have to watch for movement in these three areas, um, education spending, health and human services spending, and tax cuts. If there's movement in one of those three areas in the next several days, that may indicate momentum towards concluding on time with the budget that both Republicans and Democrats are willing to accept.
1: But the chances of that, that's a a pretty (laughs) long shot, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I think that it's far from clear that we'll get a good outcome by May 22nd when the uh, legislature session, regular session ends. Um, but uh, if it begins to happen, it'll happen in one of the three major areas of disagreement, education, health and human services, and tax cuts.
1: And it seems to me that, oh boy, on those, I think, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. I think education might be the most likely yeah uh, of those yeah. 3 would you agree
2: yeah i would think uh, it i would think if they're going to make progress they can probably make progress on education because both sides want to spend more on education the question is really how uh there're much bigger differences on tax cuts and health and human services
1: that's Carleton College Professor Stephen Shear. And Scott, we will leave things for now with this comment from House Speaker Kurt Dought, which pretty much frames the task that top-level negotiators have before them. We have to find budget bills that the governor will sign. That's how this works. He also has to get us to send him bills. Uh, he can't <laughs> pass his own bills, so um, we have to work together. So we'll see whether they can pull it off by May 22nd. If not, it will mean
0: a special session. Scott? Here we go again, it sounds like. Thanks for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say.
5: A father is always present. I mean, what fa- what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love, love your son. You need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere and you need to
1: make some breakfast.
5: Yep. I mean just to maybe um, play like a board game with me, or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do like that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else.
0: Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the US Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The 2017 governor's fishing opener is less than a week away. MN's Tasha Radle has a preview.
6: That's right, Scott. The 70th annual Minnesota Governor's Fishing Opener will be held in the greater St. Cloud area May 11th through the 14th. Joining me now to talk about this year's event is Julie Lunning, Executive Director of the St. Cloud Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. Julie, I understand events will be held in three different communities this year.
7: Yes, actually we're thrilled. It's actually more than just St. Cloud this year. It's the cities of St. Cloud, Sauk Rapids, and Sartell. So three cities and actually three counties all along the banks of the Mississippi River. Uh, We're celebrating our beautiful river, one of these great assets right out our back door, and uh, telling the world what a great fishery that it is.
6: And let's talk a little bit about this year's opener. Can you um, share some of those different experiences that you folks are going to be offering?
7: Sure, I kind of feel like we 're breaking all the rules this year with the governor 's fishing opener because it is being held in an urban setting, and we are utilizing the Mississippi River. I think typically when people think Governor's fishing opener, they think up north, North Woods, and one of our amazing lakes. Um, but it 's more than just the lakes that offer great fishing and outdoor opportunities. You know the Mississippi River is one of the greatest assets here in our country and is an incredible fishery, especially here in the St Cloud area you know as you go. Um, south from the headwaters to this area, the river is absolutely pristine, and the fishing is just top-notch. Um, the, the fish counts that are coming out of our section of the river are incredibly high. And actually, in regards to walleye, um, it compares, um, in regards to quantity of fish, uh, it compares to any premier um, walleye fishing lake in Minnesota.
6: And, you know, I think there's kind of a fear out there that uh, fish from the river mm-hmm. aren't safe. Can you, can you clear up that myth in any way, Julie?
7: Yeah, the waters here are clean, and you can do activities in it and swim in it and, of course, fish out of it and eat the fish and and not be worried. So when does
6: the uh, opener officially kick off?
7: Um, Well, our invited guests or the guests that are invited by the state of Minnesota will start arriving on Wednesday night and Thursday morning. Uh, We have a variety of activities for those guests, uh, primarily media like yourself, giving them an opportunity to explore the greater St. Cloud area and all of its amenities, whether they're outdoor related or attractions or, or the things that make our destination unique. Um, then leading in those days of activities on Thursday and Friday to Saturday, the big day with the governor's fishing opener. Uh, The governor will be um, doing the send-off ceremony from Wilson Park in St. Cloud. From that point, uh, the governor and the lieutenant governor will board their boats and head out fishing, as well as the rest of our um, attendees that'll be going out with fishing hosts that are, are from our local community.
6: And so will the governor and lieutenant governor actually be
7: fishing on the Mississippi River this year? Oh, yes, they will. Um, They'll be fishing on what we call our central section or urban section of the river. Um, The river here in the St. Cloud area is unique because there are two dams here. So um, we have fishing in all three sections of the river, which is really unique because all three sections are completely different and offer a different style of fishing. So starting on the most northern point, there is a a dam in Sartell. So everything north of the Sartell Dam, the river is more reservoir-like, feels almost lake-like. It's a lot deeper and not fast-moving current, um, no big rocks or anything like that to worry about. So really, any type of boat can go on that section of the river and have great, successful fishing. Then we have what is our central section. That would be everything south of the Sartell Dam to down to St. Cloud State University, we have the University Dam. Now, that's our urban core. Um, the the um, river is winding through the city, and north in Sauk Rapids, um, it's also rapids. So a, a shallow bottom boat, pontoons, and jet boats are perfect for that section. And then everything in our southern section, south of St. Cloud State, um, the river is winding and full of islands and a little bit shallower. So it's perfect for kayak fishing, and that's really one of our big focuses this year is the kayak fishing? Yes, kayak fishing, it's, it's really hot right now. Um, you know, it's been big out on the East Coast, and we're finding it growing in popularity very, very quickly in uh, the Midwest. So we're going to be doing kayak fishing clinics for our guests that are arriving, and then on fishing opener day for those that choose, um, kayak fishing will be an option.
6: And then uh, we're about out of time, Julie, but I really wanted uh, to, to talk to you a little bit about your really getting the community involved. I understand that there's going to be a community picnic.
7: Oh, yes, Um, we're thrilled about the community picnic. One of the requirements of this date is to throw this big celebration so that everybody from the community has the opportunity to celebrate what's happening because they can't necessarily attend all the events that are actually part of the private governor's fishing opener with our invited guests. But the event will be at Lake George on Friday, May 12th. It'll run from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. We'll have live entertainment with GB Layton, lots of great vendors and activities, and we're feeding the community. For more information on
6: this year's Governor's Fishing Opener, you can go to mngovernorsopener.com. Back to you, Scott.
0: Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this.
3: Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Peter Tork has been a pop culture fixture for more than half a century as a member of the iconic TV and recording group The Monkees. He also spent some of his early years at Northfield's Carleton College as a student before he hit the big time. Peter's in town this week for a pop culture and comic convention. I recently spoke with him about his career, the music, and what it means to meet with the fans after all these years. You're going to be in town May 5th through the 7th for the Wizard World Comic Con in Minneapolis. Uh, I'm wondering when you make appearances like this, what do you hear most from the fans or is there a particular story that they most want to hear from you?
9: See, um, that's a pretty good question. Uh, the uh, My experience, there is no single experience, of course, but uh, generally, you know, it's a funny thing. We, Mickey and I were talking about this the other day. Um, they, they, it seems that the people who come up with uh, you know something to sign and to say, want well, to say hello and shake your hand, uh, I always thought they they wanted to meet me. And Mickey says no, they want you to meet them. And uh, I think that that there's something about that. You know, they uh, of course there's a lot of that. Uh, um, I used to watch you growing up uh, and that kind of thing. Um, the um, uh, I think that. They really just really do i 'm not sure that you know they want to meet me or I want to meet them that that, that there's a, there's a big difference there, but they do want to make a connection
0: looking back what do you remember about the first time that you met Mike, Mickey, and Davy
9: <laughs> i'll tell you this story um, good <laughs> because it's pretty pretty wacky um we were they, The first thing the producers did was send us out to the desert to film a Kellogg's commercial. Um, because, you know, commercials, they you pay a lot more attention to commercials than you do, so they said this would be a good starting point. Well, we drove out to the desert in Mike's brand-new Buick Riviera, and nobody said anything for an hour. You know, nice day. Uh, like that. <laughs> uh, hungry? Uh. Okay. We pulled into a little some little place and walked in and sat down and uh ordered our food and for some reason Mickey's salad and mine came first and you know, for me I stuck the fork in the bowl and whatever came up on the fork went into my mouth and David Jones said, You pigs <laughs> <laughs> To Mickey and me I guess if Mickey was the same. Anyone would think you guys was raised in a barn the way you guys had eaten. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so and I was abashed. I don't know what Davy thought he was doing because he didn't know it either as much. I was, you know, oh, my God, you know, picking up just only the smallest portions. Davey's salad came. He glanced up at the waitress and said thank you, and he cut his salad into one-inch strips and turned the bowl 90 degrees, and all eyes are on him like rivets. <laughs> you can imagine. And he cut his one-inch strips into one-inch squares, doused the salad thoroughly with creamy ranch dressing, reached into the bowl, grabbed a fistful of it, and smashed it into his face. (laughs) Well, that uh, (laughs) that was was David Jones.
0: Uh, You know, this is is probably oversimplifying things a bit, but obviously you worked with him for a long time. You must miss him greatly, I, I, I suppose, as a friend as well, since he passed.
9: Well, yes. Um, there are times when I just think, I wish you were here, you could enjoy this, or I would love to have this moment with him, wish you, sure.
0: Uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your time here in Minnesota. I know you spent some time at Carleton College in Northfield. How did that experience prepare you for life?
9: Well, uh, I was a total bust as a student. Uh, but the social setting at Carleton College was magnificent. It really was... You know, I was in the orchestra. I was a DJ on the radio station. I was uh, in folk, folky little folky groups with my banjo and guitar, and uh, you know, and and uh, and socially and in the theater. My God, I was the player king in Hamlet. And now he finds him striking too short at Greeks. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, um, and. Uh, and i don't know whether i gained confidence there or what but you know i found pretty much was pretty relaxed about being a kid on campus um i flunked out twice which shows you how good a student i was uh but to but the social aspect of being there was knockout um and uh, you know i mean carlton is a is a very um the catchment area for carlton you know, is nationwide. Uh, dozens of kids from California and New York come to this small school in back, the backwoods of well, it's not the backwoods of Minnesota, but you know what is it? Thirty miles south of the Twin Cities or something. Right. And, and and meanwhile, one of the better vocal schools is right across the river. You walk across the river in the middle of the winter just to go to hear Saint Olaf sing. That kind of thing. You know, it's just it was it was amazing. It was an amazing little time. I've always I've been very lucky. Um, I went from Carlton College to uh to Greenwich Village and then to the monkeys and then I went up to Marin County where it where the ferment was really wonderful, uh, after the monkeys for a while. Um and uh, uh you know and then I've gotten involved with another oh I don't know how many things that that, that just keep my interest going. It's really, it's really. I, I look at my life and I go, you know, holy cow! I better be damn grateful because this one, this one is a remarkable one.
0: Well, Peter, I think that's a, a great spot to end here, and I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. You've been very generous with your time. It's been a joy to chat with you, and we're looking forward to having you here in Minnesota, uh, May fifth through seventh. Thank you so much for your
9: time. Thank you for yours. Yep. Appreciate it. And good luck to you.
8: Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting.
2: Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her
8: shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single, boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same.
2: For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human
0: Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Lynx have won three of the past six WNBA championships, but they didn't win last year's. They suffered a devastating championship series loss to Los Angeles, falling in a decisive fifth game at home to the champion Sparks. Training camp is now over and a couple of preseason games are on the docket before the real season starts next weekend. The Lynx are trying to get back to a championship, which would be a fourth in the past seven seasons. MNN sports director Mike Grimm says they first have to get over last year.
4: Scott, last year's loss to the Sparks is already serving as motivation for this year's Minnesota team. Star player Lindsey Whalen of Hutchinson says the pain is still there.
5: High school, college, pro—every I think that was probably the hardest one. You guys all saw, but it was just how it how it ended. And you know, we've won a lot of great series. We've won a lot of great games over the years, and then to come out on the other side was definitely difficult for it to be just kind of how it ended. And. Just like that, it got, um, you know, they, they earned it. They they, they played well. They, they definitely earned it, but to have it kind of taken away like that was definitely the the hardest, the hardest loss.
4: Wayland says they have to grow from last year.
5: A lot of things I think we can take away from, from that season and just how you deal with adversity and how you deal with things not always going your way because that's not always going to happen. You know, you're not always going to win. And I think that's something that, you know, we can kind of, take from that in being stronger people stronger as a team for this season it's provided us like I said more motivation but I think just in a, a general you know scheme of everything we've done to have have it not go our way but then to still come to work get better for this season have everybody focused I mean that shows a lot of resiliency
4: Fellow sharpshooter Simone Augustus is back and says of last year.
5: Yeah, we still
10: got a little bitter taste in our mouth, but we're going to let that fuel us as a, as opposed to um, a, lot, a lot of our fans are like, getting a revenge. Like, no, you know, they got that one. Uh, if we had did what we needed to do, we would be the four-time champions. So we know what we need to do and we're going to do it. We were one possession away from that last year. So that little bitter taste that we tasted last year just gives them the motivation that we need.
4: Head coach Cheryl Reeves says the pain is still raw for her as well, but she's kind of glad the team is ready to get past that loss and try to win another championship
10: this group really really wanted badly uh, the championship last year they really wanted to repeat and we're on a mission all season long and, and you saw that with having the best record the best record season record that we had of any season that we had together as good as we were in past seasons we had the best last year and so as a group the total group it was it was something they wanted badly and so to fall short i can only imagine how it felt for them i know for me as their coach tremendous disappointment that i just couldn't get us over the hump you know to get the separation will haunt me forever you know the same way as as players on the on the court it's it's more about i'm sure they replay plays in their mind you know that that they wish they could have back but um you know it's part of life
4: reeve says if any team can overcome that type of devastation though it's this one
10: That's just so organic, you know, that part of it and how much they love playing the game of basketball but more importantly love playing the game with each other. This group is so special that way, whether it's in practice, again, when you come to practice and you see in a drill the way that they celebrate success uh, in a drill for winning a possession. That's my joy as a coach, that I want them to celebrate every success together, it makes it fun, eye contact, physical contact. Uh, That group, you know, it's just, it's very natural to them.
4: The team training camp went well, and she says mostly that's because of the team's veteran presence. Uh,
10: Visit our training camp and then visit some of the other training camps, and you'll see the benefit. Um, It's just, everything is easy. They've been there, done that. We don't have to drill down into minutiae, you know, to teach. I don't have to explain to them how it feels. Uh, to compete at a high level, you know, watch the rookies when you come to training camp and watch the veterans that have been here for 10 years or more. And you'll just see that it's just the, the gap. is unbelievable.
4: Maya Moore is one of the top players in the league, yet she says she worked hard to get better this off offseason.
5: You know, my entire off offseason was just amazing as far as me just being able to recharge, spending time with family and friends, but also getting on the court toward the end there in the spring and adding some things to my game and just remembering all the little details that it takes to to be great.
4: Augustus says her off season allowed some rest, recuperation, and refocus.
10: I feel a lot lighter. Um, you know, years before it was just kind of like a drag. Like you come from one season to the next, and you never get a break. You kind of feel heavy, like the toll is starting to wear on you. <laughs> now I feel a lot lighter and and just ready to go. I'm still working on a few things here and there as far as my body goes, strengthening and leg work, rehab. The, the same things I've been doing over the last few years, but I feel great.
4: The Lynx will open the real season on Sunday, May 14th, hosting Chicago at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul. Remember, that's where the Lynx will play their home games this season while the Target Center undergoes a major renovation.
0: Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.